0: Live from the William Hill Sportsbook At Silver 7's Hotel and Casino It's Colefield and Company
1: Another addition to my uh, Drunky McDrunkerson collection
2: Lettuce is a fine topping If you've got like nine things Don't waste one of your three On
0: lettuce Both of you probably could use a salad It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Silver 7's on a Thursday. Come on down here. Happy Hour 277 on many of the drinks, beers, margaritas, well drinks, shots. Got listeners hanging out. I think they've had a couple. That's cool. That's what you do for happy hour, right, Adam? Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Angel is helping out. Part remote tech, part security guard. You're doing a fine job fending off the fans, right? Excellent big five on the way. I'm going to be honest. I'm distracted by a couple of things. Uh, one, it's Hall of Fame week, and they're doing two Hall of Fame classes. This is going to be unbelievable. Uh, they're bringing the band together, right, with uh, Brad Paisley, and uh, Peyton Manning. Um, but also, it's a big Raiders week, so we're going to hook up with Q tomorrow, Q Myers, who's actually doing his shows in Canton, which is very cool. But I just saw a picture the uh, Raiders tweeted out with Charles Woodson and Tom Flores hanging out. Looks like there's a bunch of helmets and, like, you know, signed footballs in the back. And what a weekend for those guys. It'll be very cool. I will have a lot of coverage of that
0: tomorrow. Let's get to it. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents The Big Five at Five, number five. But what's really distracting me
1: is the video of the hippos on social media eating watermelons. I've never seen anything like it. Why wouldn't they? Watermelon is a delicious food. I just never thought of uh, throwing just, you know, giant fruits maybe giant vegetables into the freaking gaping mouth of a hippo. So And, and to watch them try to work, uh, apparently it was Fiona the hippo's birthday, and it was National Watermelon the, uh, Day the other day. And there's two hippos. I think Fiona's the one on the left. We'll tweet out this video. And to watch Fiona, they just take the – it's not like pieces of a watermelon. Like, slice it up. No, they just take the whole freaking watermelon and throw it in the hippo's mouth. And I think the, the craziest thing is – the one, Fiona, I think she's just trying to swallow it whole. And then finally she realizes, like, all right, I can't take this whole thing down like a small animal. I don't think they eat animals they're herbivores, right? Is that why they love watermelon? Sure. Right? It would be the rhino that I think would be more of a carnivorous. But I may be wrong on that one. I'm not a zoologist.
2: Rhino? I bet you a rhino would like, a nice watermelon. Well. Never been, you think a rhino's never enjoyed a good picnic?
1: I don't know where you're going with this. A picnic is where you get a watermelon. Okay. So what do you think of hippos trying to eat the watermelons? Because uh, they, one of them, like I said, was trying to swallow it whole, and eventually he's like, "I'm just gonna crush this," and just crushes it. And then the other one makes quicker work of it and just crushes it immediately.
2: Well, first, I'm really obsessed with how straight the upper lip area is. It's just like a, it's a, a straight line. They have massive tongues too. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Um, now I never, I never knew that crocodiles liked watermelon no way but i saw them i don't know if they just if these particular uh crocodiles just started eating them and then realized they liked them or what but uh there's an area that i went to in costa rica that had there's crocodiles everywhere and they were throwing all kinds of like weird you know shelled the fruits at them they were eating like coconuts and all kinds of stuff watermelon so i saw a crocodile eat a watermelon hole which was fascinating uh, in this case, is more like this is more spectacle, because you're right. It's the the fact that the whole watermelon's in there, and then you see the the tongue is one of the creepiest. Like the tongue is a very creepy appendage in a in a in a hippo, and then that goes like kind of tries to wrap around the watermelon, and then they just, as you said, squeeze it. It's they rough. use the crush the it. upper and lower like mouth to just crush the watermelon. And then the fruit just like, kind of pops out both sides of their mouth as most of it is digested. It's a fascinating look. So it actually, in some ways, it reminds me
1: of a show that I, I uh, saw at Frank's Chicken House in uh, Manville, New Jersey, with Boy. Busty Hart, okay. where uh, she was she was like putting objects in a place. She's like, "Look, look at look underneath. at how look at how big these are. I can carry anything. Here's a two liter soda underneath my breast." Here's a watermelon. Let me put a couple of watermelons here. She, isn't this it, not it hot, guys?
2: She pulled off, That it's was not, her voice. By tip. the way, it's, it's not. Uh, by the way, did she? But it, it, it was not. Yeah. Uh, here's and a, that is a true story. Here's a toaster. Like what? Uh, did the did she pull off the watermelon?
1: Yeah. That's disturbing. There was nothing she can lift up. There oh. was just, there was a small bouncer, and he got he got stuck in there. Okay. I, I made that part that. up. I made that part up. Nobody bought that. The two liter bottle was impressive, and then there was like an iron.
2: Well, Why did you have an iron? I don't know. Just, she's just like, look at this. I can put anything under here and hold it up. And I also have to I have to take the hippo video off my computer on loop. That's, start really <laughs> <laughs> like it's starting to really creep me out. It's just crazy. looping. Are hippos the fattest kind of
1: vegetarians in any species? They are chubby. It's a good question. And they don't eat meat. I look what, it do up. what do elephants eat? I wonder which animal is leaner. I wonder if we, like, if we could do some research in terms of body fat. I wonder which.
2: I think uh, elephants are pretty lean. I've seen some jacked elephants. Yeah, I mean they're large, but you, you don't have, you don't have to be, you can be large without being fat. You know hippos
1: are fast too. I saw that in Jumanji three. Wait, what? Are they? Uh, well, to be, I think one of the Jumanji's at the beginning. Remember the one where uh, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover are in it, and then Danny Glover becomes Kevin Hart. And Danny DeVito is The Rock, and The Rock's acting is unbelievable. Like, his Danny DeVito voice is just, it's great. And at the beginning, Kevin Hart gets chased by a, a hippo, and the hippo is very fast. Uh, elephants, strict vegetarians. Okay. So. Well, I need body fat count now.
2: All right. So we'll look uh, that up, but please don't do it the entire uh, time. Are fat. elephants fatter than hippos?
1: <laughs> hippos are the second largest land animal, second only to elephants.
2: L- largest is not fattest. Male hippos weigh more than six thousand pounds. Right, but hippos are That's... hippos are, are kind of fat. Elephants yeah. really aren't. All right. Well, the blue whale has the highest
1: body fat percentage. It
2: does. Just a fun fact. I mean, the... I'm just looking at blue whale. It's just so slothy. It's just
1: fat. The hippo. I, it's actually it's wrong of me to say to suggest that the hippo is fat. It just could be a build. They're like a defensive tackle. They're like the Vince Woolfork. Of the animal world, because I, I don't think he was—he, I don't think he really was fat. He was a great athlete for his size of whatever he was, you know, six three and three ninety. Walruses are fa- fairly fat. They're blubbery. <laughs> I think I think anything, any uh, animal, any well, I'm not going to misidentify anything that's in the water, especially in cold water. I would think you would need to be blubbery. Sure, I have the answer. That is correct, right, Doctor Ari, zoologist. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention because I got the answer here. So okay. the male elephant has eight point five percent body fat. Wow. The female roughly ten percent, and then the elef- uh the hippo. I'm sorry is eighteen yeah, percent. Okay, Ooh. I was right. Yeah, I was right. Hippo's <laughs> hippo just embarrasses itself <laughs> at
2: the combine. A blue whale is eighteen <laughs> percent. Are you in shape? <laughs> Let's go. It looks like that uh, the whale has like a fifty percent. <laughs> just straight blubber number four
1: I just left that out there I think that belongs in an open
2: Adam Adam with it's
1: just straight blubber
2: no actually hippos may look dumpy but 18 percent of their weight is actually skin it's just excess skin
0: number four Number four.
2: I'm just waiting, to see you if he's gonna well, keep going. Well you know it's super fat? like under the radar? Don't answer that. Uh a a beaver's tail. Just I would number I was, four. I would never know that. Just straight fat. Really? Yeah. Apparently.
1: So if you could get near a beaver. Oh boy. Uh could you could you just smash it and it wouldn't hurt? Would you smash a beaver? No, just smash the tail. Uh, sure, I think so. It's, it's, all, it's just all fat. All right. That'll be for the grab bag. We got to find out if you can smash a beaver tail and it doesn't hurt. Fair. Number four. I mean, it kind of makes sense, don't they? Build don't they build the dams a lot by like they use their tail? Yeah. Number four. And smack it down. Number four. On to soccer. They're very in shape. There's no. There's no segue. Number 4. Lionel Messi is still I don't know.
2: A moth has 20% body fat? What are those things doing?
1: Number 4. How do you get out of shape as a moth? I don't
2: know. You're flying around all the time? You know
1: Lionel there's Messi. Yeah, you know there's some zoologists people who dabble in the stuff driving around. They're just they're infuriated right now that you're mocking on moths the
2: beaver tail. I have no idea what a witchety grub is, but it's very fat also. Number four. Oh my god. We're trying. <laughs> in the summer, a moth can reach 72% body fat. Um now I just need to know. What do they need? That's eating? me in the winter. They need they, they need to hang around Nathan McKinnon. he <laughs> would freaking rake him <laughs> over the
1: coals. The abs player won't let him won't let his teammates have any snacks or white sauce. Enough of the white sauce moth. Number four. So, Adam, what's going on with Lionel Messi, free agent? I thought he had retired a couple of years ago after uh, flopping in the World Cup, but uh, he's still playing. He retired and, from
2: international competition. Okay. How much money, he he, is,
1: how much money is he going to get on the, the open market? Which, by the way, I, it's kind of cute. I don't think it's, it's, it hasn't gotten annoying yet, but everyone has put Lionel Messi in their uniform because he's a free agent. So, I've already seen him playing for the Lakers. Well, he's old enough. Oh. Yeah, I mean I think that's the joke, but he's also
2: is he five four? Well he'd have to play point. Yes. Probably have to Little Muggsy, probably have to put some mugsy Bogues Put some weight on him too. Let him hang around a moth or something. Dante Rogers. Uh <laughs> yeah. I don't think he'd be like in the dunk contest. Like he no. wouldn't be like a mugsy. Yeah. No. Um web. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm interested to see. He's older. Where was he? But he's still very good. Barcelona. Barcelona? Bus Barcelona? Yeah. Uh, they were. They thought they were going to come to a deal. They thought they had a deal today. It sounds like there might be some financial issues uh, with paying out such a big contract. He's going to get a lot uh, of money.
1: Steph got like forty plus million extension all the way until thirty nine or forty years old. And I see people are like, you know, he's getting this much a game. He's getting a hundred dollars a minute. Uh, Lionel Messi laughed at Steph's deal. Yeah, it's going to be a lot, and I, I don't he, know. It's well, going is, to be, is, it, is it north of a hundred million dollars a year?
2: He's old. So I mean, there, it's not like if this was four years ago, five okay. years ago, it, it's the sky's the limit. I'm interested to see. Like,
1: is there any chance is the MLS in a position to bring no. over a guy like that, or he has to be like 53 years old before? He he comes yeah,
2: he's he, it, he's not there yet. Um, now, could could you know could there be like some soccer brand that's like, hey, we think if you played in America, you know, if Nike was like, hey if you played in America, maybe our soccer market explodes and you know maybe they pay him some astronomical figure. to come. I doubt it. I can't see it happening. I'm just trying to come up with what could possibly uh, come to fruition, but he is going to make a ton of money and people are going to be stunned and then they'll continue to live their lives as if soccer isn't the biggest sport in the world when it clearly is. Number
0: three.
2: I think Messi's body fat is.
1: It's not 18. No. It's not 72. That's not. He's not He's not a moth. All right. So it looks like the build, rebuild, is complete for the Lakers. Uh, LeBron had a tweet. He deleted it. But it was basically a message to everyone, like, we'll see. Keep mocking. We'll see. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jason McIntyre. He was a former blogger. And now he's doing a bunch of stuff with Fox Sports Radio. And he was on uh, Undisputed today really kissing the rear end of lebron like we do oftentimes and i i was i was vibing with what he was saying
3: do realize if lebron did not put this tweet up we would not be opening the show with the lakers today lebron knows what he's doing he's stealing the narrative today's the first day of the football season we're going heavy on the nfl today lebron tweets something deletes it and we open the show and there's probably 15 other shows out there i don't watch any of them they are also going to be opening with lebron james he knows what he's doing
1: he does. It's, you know, yeah, he, he, he's, got, he's had a couple of gaffes in his career, but a lot of stuff is calculated, and he's taken the pressure off uh, management, the players who some people are mocking on. Uh, LeBron tweeted out, keep talking about my squad, our uh, personnel ages, the way he plays, he stays injured, we're uh, passed out time in this league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please, and I mean please keep that same energy when it begins that's all i ask hashtag thank you and then he deleted it he didn't want to get uh, why did he, delete? he didn't want to get posted by uh, whatever that whatever that person is on uh, what old takes old, old
2: tweets or something you know they come back and get you like years later old takes exposed yeah uh i don't know i mean he has to know that everybody screenshotted it yeah like you, you i mean we know john jones in the mma world does this where he throws something out there and delete deletes it five minutes later but everybody screenshots it so it doesn't matter um, I don't get deleting tweets. I've never never done it. Uh, clearly, he sent the message he wanted to send, and I don't think he changed the message. I think he still stands by it. But I, maybe deleting it gets people to even talk about it more. More Jason McIntyre, uh, Fox Sports. He's on
1: with Chris Broussard, and LeVar Arrington is making noises in the background.
3: Guess who put this team together? Chris? Who did it? It wasn't Rob Palenka. Okay. LeBron is
1: organizing the
3: dinner at his house with Russell Westbrook. LeBron is the one convincing Kendrick Nunn hey, take less money, come here. We're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy it. LeBron is the one recruiting Malik Monk, who on a minimum deal, Malik Monk, uh, guy, guys, like 24 years old, LeBron put this team together <laughs> and he's putting on the cape. He's putting on the cape for all his guys and letting them know you on my team, I will ride with you. I will be your guy, I will defend you on social, to the media, whatever matters. LeBron knows what he's doing.
1: He's right. He's right. Nunn and Monk are really good pickups, and it's basically this is what you do when you get older, you're like, man, I hope I can convince someone to like, you know, risk it with the promise of I'll get you money down the road. I, I love the, the monk and, and Nunn editions and I'm you know I'm into the, the older players. I think Deho is going to be fine. I think Mello, we both like that signing. You can't play him 42 minutes of height, but as a role player for 25 minutes, he's good.
2: Yeah, I I
1: like what they built, and uh, I'm also a Westbrook fan, so uh, I don't know how it all works. You know, ball in hand. Is LeBron going to cede control sometimes? Is he going to play more power forward in a small ball lineup? Can he play center? But I think they've got... They've got a lot of you know interesting elements to work with, and I love
2: the young guys that they got in for no- basically nothing. Yeah, I think is going to have to play a lot of center on this team, and LeBron will play four. And then you're going to have a bunch of guys playing two and three that can just shoot, defend. Uh, you're going to have this rotation. You have a whole bunch of them. And uh, I think if you say, well, you brought in like three or four old guys. Well, okay, but they brought in a bunch of them, and they brought in some younger guys. They brought in some talented guys. And if one isn't playing well or gets hurt or doesn't work out, it's on to the next one.
0: Number
1: two. Deshaun to the Eagles is heating up. Deshaun Watson to the Eagles is heating up. I believe these reports, and this was something I was saying last week that I this is I I get my intel, if I'm another team, figure out what the hell is going on, what the NFL suspension could be, if Watson could be free and clear soon. And this isn't like a you know a really awful outcome because we still don't know exactly what happened. Sure. Then I am going to the Texans and I'm trying to steal him now, but I'm going to play it like I'm really worried, man. Three ones. How about one one? And you can have Jalen Hurts, and we'll give you some conditional picks. Like I try to swoop in because I, I also think the Texans are probably like we go we want to get the hell
2: out from under this. Well, I think that's the issue, and I I think my problem with what you just said. Is if you make the deal right now, if you're the Texans, it's not even a one. You're making a flurry deal. You're like, who will take him? Will somebody just take this guy? Take his salary off our books. Take the headache away from us. Who A fifth-round pick? Somebody? Somebody have a sixth? For the third-best quarterback in the NFL? Behind only Mahomes and Rodgers? Anyone? Please? He's 25? Can somebody please take him? Like That's what you're dealing with right now. That's why I think, are the do the Eagles make sense? Yeah, they do. And I, I would think that that would be a strong possibility, along with, like, the Panthers, even though they just got Darnold. Like, there's some teams that make sense. But it doesn't make sense to me for the Texans right now, except for the, hey, we have to get rid of him, because his value will never be lower than it is right now. If you wait and say, okay, these things play out, he gets an eight-game suspension, all right, who wants him? You're getting him after, you're getting him after eight games. Or if he gets a one-year suspension, okay. What can we get for him? You have some certainty now; he's going to miss a year. But right now, a team's going to be like a first-round pick. Well, you might never play. Why would we give you a first-round pick for that guy? So that's why I don't think that probably, the Texans by can the do way, it. That's
1: Adam. Adam and his—that's uh, his shrewd fantasy football trading voice. Sure.
2: First-round pick. <laughs> what? Uh, you're, you're insulting me. Yeah, I, I just—it's tough because his. What his value is is nowhere close to what you're actually going to get right now. But I think if the Texans can just deal with the headache, and right now it seems like they're just telling him because he was practicing and they are putting him at safety. like They're just like, get on the field, do something. Um, if, if the headache has gotten that bad, they just have to give him away. That's fine. I wouldn't do it. I would just tell him, let's wait this out. Let's see what the certainty is on your punishment, and then we'll find who will give up something for you
0: number one
1: bunch of Raiders stories today uh one interesting one in the rj was the new valuation of the raiders are in the upper half of the league in terms of value uh supposedly worth 3.415 billion dollars this is one of the greatest american sports success stories we've seen in my lifetime the situation in oakland was awful i think the league screwed over mark davis And in the end, maybe not. But at the time, I was livid, and I'm not a Raiders fan. I thought the league pulled a fast one on Mark Davis, shutting he and the Raiders out of L.A., their town, other than Oakland. Everything almost went down the toilet here when Sheldon Addison, rest in peace, uh, pulled out, right? Jerry Jones comes in to save the day. Mark Davis was a big part of that, and now he's got a franchise that's in the middle of the league in value. And I, I could see this organization eventually, with everything else that could be built up around the stadium, if they own a lot of that too, they could be a top 10 franchise. In by the way, in like
2: market, whatever we are, 28 to 34. Yeah, well, and I think with NFL, I think that is the one sport that moves the sticks, if you will, on your city. Like I think more people will move here. I think it'll be a bigger market because there's an NFL team here. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the, the market's only going to get better. The area's only going to get better around the stadium. The amount of... I'm sure the team's going to be part of opening some of those restaurants and bars and everything else that's going to go in around there. Uh, so sky's yeah, the limit. It's only going to go up. You
1: want to buy a mansion up on the hill? Might be a second one up on uh, another hill because uh, I think Mark Davis sold out of Summerlin, and then he's, uh, he bought on the, uh, more on the east side of town, and uh, he may have enough money where he can be like, hey, you know what, that's Summit. I kind of like that. I'm going to go back there.
0: It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company.
1: Curtis Terry's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Basketball Insider, former UNLV player, one of the voices of the running Rebels. Can I tell a couple of stories about stuff off the air? Sure. Um, you know, I was, I was paying a compliment earlier to uh, Jason McIntyre, who's with Fox Sports. And right. I, I was watching the video earlier, and I actually texted him, and I'm not really friends with him. I, I, I've met him a couple of times. And I was like, dude, I got to tell you, you are good. You're very good. I'm watching your video. This is really good stuff. And that was it. Did he respond? Yeah. He was like, thanks. (laughs) And that's it. That's where the conversation ends. Like, I don't want anything from him. I don't need anything from him. So, That's the story? That was it. Okay. Now I just wonder, like, what would you do if I, I mean, I know you, but what would you do if, like, out of nowhere, someone's listening to Cofield and Company, you know, whatever, v you're doing v tonight, right? And someone like someone you never talk to, or someone in the media that you met like twice, and they're like, "Man, you're you are good, man. I didn't, you know, forgot how
2: good you are." I think there was some ulterior motive for yeah, sure. You would think. Uh, I also, I know, I have somebody that I talk to once every couple weeks, and every time says how great I am on radio and writing. Oh yeah. And I, every time I'm like, what on earth is this person up to? <laughs> what do they want? What are they up to? Okay.
1: Well, I'll just tell you, I'm not all, all nice. We're going to go to break here because we got to get to Curtis. We fell behind a little bit. We pay the bills. Uh, right now I'm crafting a text uh, talking about uh,
0: stealing someone's job. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now back to Cofield & Company. Team USA, the lob from Levine. And the steal by Levine. Zach Levine in a foot race with and He'll slam it down.
1: And that was freaking cool. Zach Levine, love that. Love that. Uh, we're tracking football, Cowboys, and
2: Steelers. We got Curtis Terry mm. coming up. I don't understand what's happening. You Something about taking jobs? What was going on? No, I was just
1: sending off a text. It was not stealing someone's job. I was oh. saying before the break, I was just texting someone. Uh, you know, I'm always mining for different gigs, so that's sure. all. i okay. not stealing someone's job. Just, hey, you know what? We're here. I'm here.
2: Oh, okay. Get getting on the radar got to be
1: got to be hustling right I get it right. uh, I also I had a little exchange with uh, one of our buddies uh, Ryan Green because I sent him the story about Nathan McKinnon being a competitive psycho and I was like see it was okay when we were playing pickup years ago apparently you got scarred because I threw a water bottle after a game so here you go here's Nathan McKinnon I'm not saying I'm Nathan McKinnon, but there's nothing wrong with being competitive. Well, com- McKinnon was compared to MJ, and now you're being compared to McKinnon. No, so I didn't. I didn't know. You're I, being I, compared to MJ. Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. Sure. Curtis Terry's with us. He's competitive. What's up, Curtis?
4: What's going on, fellas? How you
1: guys doing? Uh, football's going on. So I got to ask you, first of all, uh, I don't, are you watching the uh, the Cowboys and the Steelers? you care enough about football that you're going to watch the uh, the Hall of Fame game?
4: You know, I'm going to cut it on here uh, when we wrap up with you guys. Uh, I had not had it on yet, but I'm going to take a look and uh, and kind of just get a feel for what's coming down the pipeline with the NFL season. Right.
2: Steelers in midseason form, dropping passes on third down already. It looks good.
4: All right, okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Curtis, did you hear the news that a uh, KJ Wright? Uh, okay, here we go. Um, former Seahawk was in town visiting the Raiders. What's going on here?
4: I do, man. I do. I saw that this afternoon, but I also just recently saw that he left town without signing with the Raiders. Um, yeah. Now we'll, we'll we'll kind of see what shakes down there, but obviously, I mean, as a Seahawks fan, you love to get KJ Wright back in Seattle. But so the Seahawks' defense, so you do got Jordan Brooks, former first round draft pick out of Texas Tech, that has slotted to slide in and, and play a lot of snaps for the Seahawks this year. So you can understand where they want to save some dollars and, and let the young guy play. But uh, if if Gus Bradley's able to, to pull one of his guys out of Seattle and that KJ Wright and loop them into what they're doing down here, I think it'd be a good fit for the Raiders, obviously.
2: What, uh, I mean, you've, you've seen him play. What, what have you seen out of him? He's played a decade, been, been a very good player, coming off two really good seasons, actually.
4: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy there for the Seahawks that came as a fourth-round draft pick um, and, and, and kind of filled in wherever they needed him um, in that defensive backfield um, as a linebacker at times, um, and a guy that kind of filled a, a lot of different roles for the Seahawks, and obviously a guy that was part of that Legion of boom, won a Super Bowl, went to the Pro Bowl, Um, A very reliable guy, a guy that played a lot of snaps, and so I think it's something for when you're trying to retool this this defense for the Raiders, and they've kind of had struggles, especially in the secondary, which hopefully they're fixing this year. But somewhere, if you can get a guy like they brought in, like Casey Hayward, a a guy that's got some experience, a Pro Bowl, someone that can kind of shore up in the locker room and kind of show these young guys that have got potential how to do and how to be a pro. I think that's always a good thing, especially when you got a defensive coordinator that's coming in first year that's had success like Gus Bradley has had.
2: So the Raiders are trying to make moves. The Knicks were making moves. Wait, wait, wait a wait, second. Did,
1: did you guys talk at all the other day? Yeah. You did? Yeah. You guys were chatting we, it up?
4: We, ch- we chatted at practice a little bit. Okay. About the scoop. You know, Adam's, Adam's been there every day, like you said. I popped in on Tuesday uh, to, to check out the guys. But uh, I just I, I, I let Adam do the talking because obviously he's seen much more of them than I had. Uh, but he seems to be impressed with what he's seen so far. Go
2: ahead, Adam. I ruined your segue to the Knicks. That's fine. <laughs> no, no. Sorry. The Raiders are making moves. I don't know. I'll do it again. Uh, no. What have you? What have you thought about what the Knicks have done here this offseason?
4: Man, the, the Knicks are. At least they're trying to make something happen, right? As opposed, to sitting back and trying to wait for those big free agents that they haven't gotten in years past. Whether it was Kyrie, whether it was LeBron, whether it was KD. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sold on Kemba Walker. I think he showed with the Celtics that he's he's a little banged up. He's not quite the Kemba uh, cardiac Kemba what he was with the UConn Huskies when he went on that electric run in the NCAA tournament. But I think for a guy to be able to get back home like him, I think he'll have success in the Garden. Um, I'm obviously a D Rose fan. I think he was kind of a steady hand for that group. Uh, I do like the Evan Fournier addition. Obviously, what we've seen with him throughout the Olympics uh, with France, I think he's going to be a good piece. Uh, but I think they're still trying to they're they're trying to piece it together. And the problem for them is they're going to be in the East, which is now going to be a lot tougher with the moves that other teams have made, like the Bulls. Obviously, the Nets trying to kind of piece things together for them. But then the Heat have made some good moves as well. So I think the Knicks are taking the right steps. I just don't know if this group is going to be the group to get them over the hump in terms of past the first round of the playoffs. Well,
2: I've been mocking on the Bulls. So I guess I'll let you tell me why I'm wrong if you've liked what the Bulls have done.
4: Yeah, man. So I I like what the Bulls have done. I think I like the fact that that, that you you have Levine. If you can re-sign him, he's a cornerstone of what you're doing. Obviously, you went out and got Vucevic. You unloaded all your assets to bring him in. Um, and then DeMar DeRozan. I think getting a guy like DeMar DeRozan in terms of the success he's had at the league, being a perennial all-star, bringing him in the mix is going to take some pressure off Zach Levine. The one asterisk there is is bringing in Lonzo Ball. I'm not quite sure if Lonzo Ball is going to be your point guard to be able to lead the show. But when you've got guys that can make plays with the wall in your hands in terms of Levine and DeRozan, that limits what he needs to do, but he can push in tempo, get you guys out in transition, and they've got high flyers with DeRozan and Levine, uh kind of anchored down low. And then you bring in Caruso, and obviously we see what Caruso did with Adrona with the Lakers. He played himself in the league in terms of a guy that's athleticism for his size, uh, not there to mix it up, and not got a consistent three-point shot. So I think the Bulls are going to be in the mix as, as they have not been the last few years, uh, but I still think they, they may need to work uh, – Unless Lonzo can prove me wrong in that starting point guard position, but it's probably going to be easier with him having some guys on the wings that can attack and take pressure off.
1: Why are you hesitant on Lonzo?
4: I just haven't been big on him the whole time. I mean, even coming out with LeVar, and LeVar did a great job of getting him somewhere he needed to get him to. Uh, he's fixed his jump shot, but I just don't know if he's going to be a guy that can lead a team to be successful. And in terms of success, I mean, making it to the playoffs, because that's what this league is about. Obviously, everybody gets paid in the league. Kudos to those guys. Uh, but for the guys that really love the game, they want to have that success and build that legacy. And so I think we've received Lonzo be able to lead a team and lead them into the playoffs and have success. Um, and if he can do that, then he'll definitely earn my respect. But as a basketball player, he, he can get it done. But I'm just not, not a Lonzo Ball fan as of right now.
1: You and I were on the air last week as uh, the Westbrook stuff was coming down. So have you wrapped your head around it? How does it work with uh, Westbrook and LeBron on the floor offensively?
4: They've got to find somebody that can knock down some shots. And when we talked about kind of some guys that they could plug in. there Obviously, Danny Green's not going to come back. They bring in Malik Monk. They bring in uh, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, but I, I just don't know if they've got enough guys that are going to be able to spread the floor and knock down those shots consistently. And I made a joke about it the other day. The age of this team is ridiculous in terms of just how old they are. Now, And I made a joke. If AARP, if they got some benefits including in these guys' contract on the back end to make sure they're taken care of. Uh, but I just don't know if they've, if they've got enough youth in their legs to be able to sustain a long season or if somebody goes down to keep things afloat. Cause you see, if Anthony Davis goes down, which he's been prone to do with LeBron, and when he misses time, things start to fall apart. Uh, so I think they're gonna have to make sure Westbrook can carry this team to wins and not just the stats, which he's done. But they're gonna need Westbrook, uh, to, to shoulder a lot of this load offensively running the show. Take pressure off LeBron, but then defensively, he's going to have to set the tone because they're going to have to be a team that, that turns people over and gets a lot of easy baskets with limited outside shooting.
1: I like the signing of Andre Drummond in Philly, you know, as a backup to Embiid. I mean, that's a pretty good player, but, you know, the funny thing is, I'm reading a couple of uh, headline subheads where they're like, yeah, they're going to play together. How does that work? Embiid and Andre Drummond on the floor at the same time?
4: Yeah, I don't get that one. I think it's funny that. It's still funny to me that Andre Drummond went to the Lakers. I didn't see that as a good fit for them. Obviously, it, it didn't, didn't finish out very well. I thought Marcus Hall would have gave them more in terms of uh, versatility with the ball, being able to spread the floor. Uh, now, when you put Drummond in there with, with Embiid, and if you still have Ben Simmons, they, I, I don't know how that's going to work. That's Doc Rivers' problem to figure out. Uh, but hopefully, I mean, if he's going to be in a situation where he's spelling Embiid and, and giving Embiid some backup minutes, that may work good, and allowing it to be not to carry as much of a load because, as we saw in this past playoffs, he did it throughout the whole season, but then when they got to the playoffs, it looked like he just had tired legs and an injury just didn't have enough to get his team there. So if he can take some take some nights off here and there, maybe maybe Drummond is going to be the secret to their, their missing recipe.
1: Curtis Terry, one of the voices of uh, running Rebel basketball, as well as played for UNLV. Let's get a couple of college questions in here. It's weird, man. It's early August. Usually we're all kind of settled with college basketball rosters, and now something bizarre is developing with Amani Bates, who's been, you know, pitched as the number one guy in his class, and, you know, like a future LeBron, uh, you know, big size at 6'8", six, 6'9", six, perimeter skills, that he's reclassifying to 2021. I thought the goal here was he was never playing college basketball. And then you've got another top kid who's reclassifying in uh, Jalen Duran. Um He's going to go to 2021, and now they're talking about potentially going to college. Bates' decision—he it says he's trimmed his options to Oregon, Memphis, Michigan State, and the G League. Duren, G League, and the NBL. Are these guys just playing games, or is there a chance they actually play college basketball?
4: You know, it's weird. I don't know. I, I think I think it's it's good for these guys. Obviously, not going to be able to go to the draft out of high school, uh, but I think it's this position to where. If they're looking to get more competitive environments around them, uh, going back to high school is not going to do these guys as good as they are. It's not going to do them very much good. And so I think if they're going to look to go to college, it's a situation where that's going to push them a little bit more. Uh, but then also I think the G League is going to be a good route. Obviously, you saw Jalen Green go the G League route out of Fresno, go the G League route now, the second pick, which the Houston Rockets. In terms of being able to be in that culture, learn from NBA guys, uh, Now Jason Hartson will be the head of coach of that G League Ignite team. That's what these guys are, their next step is, is to be a professional, so to learn from those guys in those ranks is going to be great. But if these guys go to college, obviously I think it's going to bring a, a lot more attention and headlines for the college game. Um, I know there was there was rumblings about these guys possibly teaming up. Now if they do that at Memphis, um, I think Penny Hardaway's got a shot at winning a national championship. As long as these guys are as good as advertised. But then again, we're talking about 17-year-old kids that are now going to be going into college and playing against some guys that have been in college two, three, four, five years and you get that transfer, you're back from COVID. Uh, hopefully they're not, they're not taking on more than they can handle, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward with, with, with Imani Bates and Jalen Dillon uh, especially.
1: Hey, last one on scheduling. I, I know you saw this. There was a big rush of uh, scheduled games in Vegas at T-Mobile. Uh, UCLA is coming to town, obviously, to play UNLV, but now UCLA is going to meet up with Gonzaga, and then Gonzaga's also got a game against Duke. Gonzaga's got another game in between, so Gonzaga is actually going to play three games in like seven days or six days in Vegas. What do you think of that move from Gonzaga's standpoint? Is this just kind of a way to get more quality opponents where people aren't flying all the way to Spokane, but at least are getting it on their ledger? Like, hey, we we schedule aggressively. You know, wherever we have to play, we have to play.
4: Yeah, and I think Mark Few has shown this over the years. Obviously, he's been in, he's been in Spokane uh, running that show for, for- for two-plus decades, and I think what he's trying to do is obviously he wanted to step up his non-conference schedule, and teams finally agreed to do that. Some travel to Spokane, he takes his team on the road, never scared to play anybody, but I think it's a situation now that they know they've got a legitimate chance to win the national championship every year with the guys that they've had, like Jalen and Stegg, now with Chet Holmgren, to where they need to play these top-tier teams earlier and not when they get to the Elite Eight for the final four of the national championship. So I think it's a chance for them to really stack themselves up early in the season to see what they have, get that game film, run through the West Coast Conference, and then see these guys again come March for March Madness. Uh, So I think it's smart, and I think another thing, it means we we all probably, all three of us, need to to go on location to T-Mobile and and broadcast to catch some of these games because I think that's going to be a fun stretch there in November with these college basketball games coming to town.
1: I'm fired up. I'm fired up for college basketball. The Super aggressive scheduling, and UNLV's got a really interesting roster, and you know people forgot they were supposed to play a bunch of pretty high-level teams at the Thomas and Mac, and now some of those matchups are going to come to fruition this year. So really looking forward to UCLA being here. That's going to be – I don't know if it'll be a good game, but it'll be a good watch.
4: Yeah, it might not turn out to be a good game. It's definitely going to be fun to, to, for the Rebels and Kevin Kruber to just stack his team up against those likes. The guys have had success. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm still circling that, that four-team round robin at T-Mobile. I'm hoping that UNLV can knock off Michigan, Arizona can knock off Wichita. And I hope that we can take on Arizona and knock off the Wildcats and stick that one to Jet in particular.
1: Yeah, me too. Very, very anti-Michigan. Very anti-Michigan. Adam, Adam made a, Adam grimaced when you said knock off Michigan. He's very angry, even though he went to UNLV. That's a the great, the great confusion of Adam Hill
2: from Ann Arbor. Oh
4: God,
1: Curtis. You know. We'll get it. We'll get into this. His fandom is bizarre. We'll get into it down the road. I appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Sounds good, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Thanks, man.
1: There he is, Curtis Terry. UNLV is going to be good. That's a tough game. It is a very tough game. So is UCLA. Sure. We've got two. Yeah, you know, I guess I don't have any seen what the preseason rankings are because they keep changing. I know a lot of people think uh, the trader is going to have a really good team. So Chris Beard.
2: Well, another former UNLV coach for UNLV or for UCLA, excuse me. Uh, well, he never accepted the job. I mean, oh, you know, that's not it, it what s- they say. Sounded
1: well. Hey, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell everyone there I've taken your job. And then he just disappeared. He ghosted us, Mick Cronin. <laughs> and Beard is back. They're back multiple times again, too, oh, in yeah. Vegas. So.
2: What about a Texas-UCLA matchup? Uh, who do you know if you fans cheer for in that one?
1: Right? I, I won't even say lesser of two evils. Evil. I, I, actually, I, I, Cronin is who you wrote for. <laughs> I disagree. I mean, it's it's... It's a tough choice. I will tell you, and this is probably way too hardcore right now, but I will tell you, I actually think that Chris Beard made a mistake in taking one of his last recruits in Marcus Carr. Okay. I think he's, he's an awesome player, but and maybe maybe Beard is what he needs, and maybe a better team is what he needs, but I thought he lost multiple games at, at, throughout the season last year for Minnesota. As good as his numbers were, his decision-making as the point guard oof like he, lo- he loses it sometimes so I feel like the coaching will be different you think that Chris Beard is a better coach than Richard Patino?
0: the Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 9 o'clock it's the Law and Sporter podcast with Justin Watkins from Battleborne Injury Lawyers Cofield and Company presents
2: hey, hold on Big up big up grab
0: bag don't touch
3: it. Don't even look at
0: it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas.
4: Stick your hand in there, Dave.
1: So much to get to in the grab bag. Uh, 3 nothing right now. First football game, Hall of Fame game. 3 nothing. Cowboys are on top. Your boy, Mason Rudolph, 6 of 8, 84 yards. Well,
2: nice. quick update on that oh, real quick. No. The, uh, the Cowboys just missed a field goal. is was blocked. Oh. by the Steelers. Steelers respond with a 45-yard pass downfield. Chase Claypool, unbelievable catch. Got hurt.
1: No. Yeah.
2: That's so we'll see. It. Could be Could be minor. You know? I mean, it's obviously just happening, so yeah. uh, we'll find out. Somebody said it looked like maybe he landed on the ball. That'd be great if he just got his wind knocked out, but uh, he's still in on the third drive, and it looks like he's uh, off the field now. Pretty good receiver. Uh, pretty good, yeah. yeah. 45-yard catch.
1: Right. Uh, Najee Harris so far being fed the ball a lot. First-round pick. I know you hated that. Harris, seven, carries 22 yards. He has a catch. First-round pick in Fantasy Football League drafts? Most likely. Higher-rated. I'll just stick with that. Uh, Over-under, 999.5 for rushing yards. Over. Actually, I'll go back to my fantasy question. Clyde Edwards-Elair, higher rated up. going into this fantasy football draft than, he, than uh, is Harris. Are you more fired up about Harris than, or CEH last year? Uh,
2: I wasn't fired up about CEH at all last year. I was much more fired up about Harris. because I mean, Clyde Edwards-Elair in some leagues, it was insane. Yeah, well, especially if you're in leagues with people from Kansas City.
1: Because you told everyone what? About, uh, about some of his playing time might be limited because? Because he couldn't block.
2: And if you can't pass protect, you're not going to play.
1: And everyone assumed that he was going to be,
2: you know, 1,000-yard rusher and, like, 700 yards receiving. But they they weren't putting him in on very many passing downs because he can't block. Like, that is such an important part of playing at, at this level. And I think they do trust Harris, it seems like, as a as a blocker and pass, and pass pro. So uh, that means he'll see the field sooner.
1: I was looking back at the numbers because I made a bet. What was it, 1,700 yards rushing yeah. and receiving with one yeah. of our Kansas City friends? Um, he had a good season. I mean, he finished a little short of uh, – I think he finished right at 1,100 yards, but he only had 297 receiving.
2: Missed field goal now for uh, Pittsburgh. Oh play. boy!
1: All right. I should be getting more updates. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. I appreciate that. Back in there. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You know they're doing a, a Yankees White Sox game at the Field of uh, whatever it is. The what was the movie? Field of Dreams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at that field in Iowa. Saw the uniforms unveiled. What do you think? fine i mean the yankees uniform isn't any different it's slightly different there's like some there's some piping missing and the ny logo is a little bigger the white Sox, you know it looks like the unis in the movie uh it's funny they did they did some still shots of some of the guys in the uniforms and it's clearly a green screen because it's in front of like a cornfield so I don't know if they flew Aaron Judge out to some cornfield and i suppose you could find one in New Jersey, think, New York, or Connecticut. But I think they just took a picture in the clubhouse. And I—I I, I had the weirdest thought, and I went down a rabbit hole on this one. Um, can you imagine Aaron Judge walking on a baseball field in like 1923? He's six foot seven, yeah, 282 pounds.
2: It's preposterous. And anybody who's playing baseball is like five eight, like one, 147. Like
1: Babe Ruth was considered a you know a giant hulking guy, and he was like you know six one, two thirty. I think he's smaller. I think he, height or weight? Both. But then the rabbit hole I went down, I was like, I wonder if he, like, I, I always remember as a kid, You know, if you're reading about boxing history, there was a guy named Primo Carnera who was like, you're just gigantic guy, you're know, heavyweight. Um, that guy, the gentle giant, he was 6'6", 265. And you, when you see him in pictures of people, it's just like this behemoth in the 1930s and 40s. And Aaron Judge is bigger than him. This guy went, Primark Carnero went eighty-nine and fourteen with seventy-two knockouts, uh, and I—you could just imagine him in a boxing ring in like nineteen thirty-eight. Like, what is this thing in front of me? And Aaron Judge is like, yeah, I'm bigger. Uh, Aaron Judge is like a moth compared to that guy. <laughs> Back to the body fat—is that what you go right to here in this next? 55 minutes between shows? Yes. You just start doing more moth research on your way that's, down to South Point? I'll be, uh, or Circa. I'll be crashing probably. On the oh, left. you're at Circa?
2: Yeah, that's Okay. All right.
1: So you're, go, you're going a little bit north. Uh, thanks to the folks here at Silver Sevens for housing the show. Make sure you come on down any day and join A-Play. They're a great players club. And uh, put in your bets at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. And uh, like Adam said, he's doing another show tonight. He's doing it from 7 to 10 on our good friends at BCN.